Welcome back to Working Man's Pod, everyone. It's been a long time since we've spoken with you. That's been unavoidable, unfortunately. Some tech issues, some busy life issues, but that's okay. We're back now. We've got a great guest here with us for the second time, Howard Weiner. You, If you listen to his first episode, then you will remember this conversation that I'm about to drop in. So my last question is, as I understand it, your first show was March 9th, 1981 at Madison Square Garden. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Unbelievable show. I listened to it today after I rem- reminded myself that it was your first one. You've got a China rider into Samson that absolutely cooks. Then a, a sequence I have never heard of before, which is estimated into Uncle John's band, Drums, Space, and then the other one. It's like the, and then into Stella Blue is the Jerry Ballad. This set list, I, I mean, it's a great show. When we talk about it on this show, would you come back on and do a, a little interview with us again um, to talk about the show? Yeah. If you don't invite me, I'm showing up at your place <laughs> <laughs> and busting in, okay? <laughs> I, I, I'd love to do that. It's, I'm, I'm so high on that show. And the next night, if you do that show, you probably should do the next night because the next night has the same type of treats on it. Just like ridiculous versions. So interesting. And since you mentioned that one, the... Uh, the first set of that, you got the, the great feel like a stranger and incredible Althea. Yep. The way Jerry t- tuned his guitar and the way the way the whole band approached everything and I just so unique. That should be a Dave's picks, a Dick's picks, or some kind of Howard's picks if they ever uh, <laughs> unleash me on the archive. You know, well, that's what we're doing, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I was listening to it today, I went to Dead Disc and was like, "This has to have been released at some point. This show is that good." And I was very surprised that it has not yeah. been because it's this incredible. show is tremendous. So as you heard, we told Howard that we were going to bring him back to talk about this show whenever we talk about it. I can't speak for you, Dave. I thought we were going to talk about it next March because I just didn't expect that the dead would be able to read our minds and immediately <laughs> release it officially. Almost as if they were listening in, looking for a next recommendation and then they got it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's crazy that this show had not been released up until 2022. As we kind of, Howard and I shared in incredulity that it had not been because it's such a good show. But I guess they were waiting for a really good reason. And this this latest box set that just probably, if you got it, arrived at your door last week, The Grateful Dead In and Out of the Garden is a pretty good reason to release it. So it is six shows, The Grateful Dead's Two nights at Madison Square Garden in 1981, 1982, and 1983. The lead show, you might be familiar with their box sets. Usually there's one show that they make the lead release and that they put on all the streaming platforms that they sell as an individual CD. The show that they chose to be the lead show is this show, 3-9-1981, Howard's first show where he saw The Grateful Dead. So Howard was kind enough to join us to, or will be kind enough to join us to talk about it. He hasn't joined us just yet. But before we talk with him, because it's been so long since we've talked to you guys, we wanted to talk about the days between. There were days, there were days, and there were days between. There have been many days between. There have been. But... The one big story that really kind of takes precedent overall is that Dead & Co. announced that next year will be their last tour and announced the tour dates, which is very early. And I'm thrilled by it, by the way. Yeah. 
and I think it's a smart business decision by them, right? Like get it out early, give people a lot of time to get hotels, get travel there, get these huge crowds for some of these venues that we've been to and some of these venues that I know we're going to explore for the first time. We're excited to go to, right? So very exciting stuff. They're going to be on tour, I believe, beginning in May, at the end of May and going through the middle of July. Fittingly, um, opening the tour in Los Angeles, where they've opened the tour last year and they've opened the tour other tours in various other years. Uh, important city in Grateful Dead history and concluding it in the most important city in Grateful Dead history, San Francisco. They're concluding it with two nights at Oracle Park. Anyway, that's really the big news from the days between. Dave and I are already kind of planning out how we can go to as many shows as we possibly can hit. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple people text me about like, hey, have you thought about coming to this show? So um, I don't know. The biggest challenge is going to be not spending all of the money I have to right. my name <laughs> to go to all of the shows. Yeah, exactly. There's also a weird amount of Sunday shows on the schedule. I know like every other week is a Sunday show, which is cool. Yeah. It makes travel and logistics and all that a little more difficult. Yeah. I will say one of my friends was like, oh, damn, the New York City shows are on whatever night of the week. And when I saw the dates, I didn't even look at what day of the week it was. I mean, I went to a show. I flew to a show in a different state on a Tuesday last year and you were going to join me. So <laughs> the day doesn't matter that much to me if it's a worthwhile trip that can be done. You know what's being tired for a couple of days. I can live with that, but it's just a question of um, finances. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. All of that we will figure out in due time. But for now, we're just excited that Dead and Co is doing um, another tour next summer. Even if it is the last one, I'll be really excited to see them. And you know, a lot of people were saying, and and fairly so, like you know, the music never stops. It's okay that Dead and Co is ending. We're still going to get to see Bobby and the Wolf Bros. Bill and Friends, who I'm going to be seeing in a couple of weeks at the Capitol Theater. And maybe we'll have some sort of like, I don't think it would be this, but like company and company where Jeff, John, and O'Teal find some other people and keep playing this music. Right. And if you listen to the Mayor and Weir acoustic show for the Montana benefit uh, a few months ago, you know, those guys are not going to be done playing together. I don't there's think gonna so be, either. There's going to be one offs. There's going to be little three or four night runs where they get together and play. So I hope so. It's not coming to an official end, I think is to your point. And it never will. I mean, we'll always have the Dark Star Orchestras and J-Rad. J-Rad, yeah, all that stuff. And just local cover bands that are playing this music. Like It's a part of the American Songbook now. And you'll always have an opportunity to see live Grateful Dead music. But the thing to me that does make me a bit sad is just that the energy at Dead & Company shows is completely different. It's not often that you get to see this music in venues that size with shakedown streets this size. And that brings an entirely different energy to the table. And I will be really sad to, to see that go. I hope that it won't. I hope that they'll find a way to keep it going in, in one form, you know, in one way or another, if you will. We'll see. But no matter what, I'm so excited for next summer. We're going to get some great shows. Yeah. And the way that they all play together is better now than it's ever been in my opinion i think um other people your mileage may vary on that but for me i mean last summer and 2021 were peak dead and co and so 
Um, I'm really excited to see what they bring to the table in 2023. Before Howard joins us, which should be any minute now, are there any songs that you'd like to see them break out in 2023 that you have not, either that you personally have not heard live and you'd like to hear live for the first time or that they've never played before, at least to your knowledge, that you'd like them to play? In the first category, yeah. Um, Samson and Delilah, I've never seen live. I think that one would be really cool. And I mean, you know my answer is new Minglewood blues. Would love to see Bob bust that out. Um, and as far as songs they've never played before, um, it would be really weird. But you know that '90s show we did with "It Takes a Lot to Laugh, Takes a Train to Cry." That would be cool. That would be cool to see something like that. I have two. One that will one hundred percent not happen. Okay. And one that I think there is an outside chance, but I still find it unlikely that it would happen. I know what one of these two songs is going to be, but I don't know which category you're going to put it in. It's the latter category. I think it's possible that they would end a show with We Bid You Good Night. Yeah, that's what I was guessing. Yeah, right. Albeit unlikely. I've said this to you many times. I think that it would be really cool. And they do songs where they let everyone sing. Um, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like Let the Good Times Roll, they take turns. And um, also The Wait, they all take turns. Yep. So it's not unprecedented. All of these four guys that are not the drummers do sing. So it would be interesting to see if they could harmonize together and make Bid You Good Night happen. The one that there is no chance that they're going to play is um, The Golden Road to Unlimited Devotion. They There's barely live versions of that from the 60s. So right. the idea that they would just bust that out as Dead & Co. 60 years later is really impossible for me to imagine, but it would be so goddamn cool if they did it. It would be a really sentimental and fitting chiasmus and closing the book if they ended their last show with the first song off their first album that would be pretty cool that would be pretty intense i also i have an answer to that um first song new potato they gotta bust that out at some point right or alligator yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm waiting for the moment and it might be at like it might be at those oracle park shows but where there's like a quiet moment and then maybe perhaps an homage to late 60s or early 70s shows you just hear someone from the back Alligator! (laughs) It'll be a great summer, so... I'm really looking forward to it. If you've never been to a Dead & Co. show, if you're apprehensive about Dead & Company, I'll put a link in the show notes to this show. One thing that I put together recently is a playlist for Spotify of all top versions of Dead & Co. songs. And so um, if you're interested in Dead & Co. but you don't know where to begin, go check that out. Um, it's all versions that the fans have voted on as the best version of that song. So... And if you don't want to get that playlist a couple weeks after Alex makes it and you want it same day service, you should try following us at workingmans underscore pod on Instagram, workingmans pod on Twitter, and you can't really follow us on email. But if you want to email us and see, hey, have you made any new playlists recently? You can email us at workingmanspod at gmail.com because we post all that stuff there. We've already had a compliment on the playlist. So congrats to you. (laughs) Thank you. 
someone DM'd and said, uh, this is awesome. Can't wait to hear it. And it is awesome. I've listened to it uh, in the car. So thank you. Check that out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I also got a very productive tip from someone about reordering some of the songs, which was a, a great tip. Um, so yeah, Howard uh, just sent me an email. The Zoom link wasn't working, so I just sent him a refreshed one. Hopefully it works. Hey. 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 What's happening, Howard? How you doing? Let me uh, get a little volume here. Yeah, absolutely. Your volume on our end sounds great, by the way. Cool. We were just catching up about the uh, Dead & Co. tour for next year. Uh, it's Talk crazy about- that they're already promoting it as the last tour. Uh, I know. It's also, I feel like last year the dates came out in like March or something. And so they are really trying to sell out all those shows by by putting them out this early, I think. Yeah, it's pretty strange that they do it this early. I just, I, I found that weird. It's like, hey, I'm going to write my last book in 2035. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that you guys have, uh, I'm, I'm not, Dave, I'm not even sure if you know this, but Howard, weren't you going to go to the SPAC show this summer and then it, before it got canceled? Oh, oh, Saratoga. Yeah, yeah. I did. Um, I, I went, I was there in the um, Shakedown Street. Oh, I, man. I, I did pretty oh. good before, before it got canceled. So actually, um, I was there. I had a good time. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, the show got canceled. I was on my way. I was like an hour behind you. And uh, we got the news in the car. And we audibled the jam band Mo was putting on a free show in the Albany Plaza. What? A lot, a lot of people went to that. Yeah. yeah. And they were great. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, yeah. That was my most profitable shakedown. So it actually worked out for me that uh, that day. Were you selling books? Oh, you were selling yeah. shakedown. Nice. Yeah, cool. That is brilliant. Yeah. No, I've, I've had uh, many good uh, shakedowns. Not in City Field this year. It's, it's always up for it. It depends when people are coming and going, the weather, all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still traumatized from the uh, Washington uh, corridor traffic. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So, Dave, so Dave, you've been through that before too, I'm sure driving to school. So, um, yeah, Howard got stuck in that, like Northern Virginia, you know, that part where oh. I, were you, is it the part Howard where it's like two lanes on each side of the highway and you just can't yeah. fucking move. Exactly. And then for some reason it was very slow all the way to Richmond. It was on and off and I, I it was probably a two and a half extra hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah. is brutal. I was planning on taking a nap before I spoke to you guys. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us and oh, for, no for for really like you know um, you know sacrificing that <laughs> because I'm sure that uh, you know your your nerves are a little bit fried too after being stuck on the highway for that long. But yeah. um, I'm I'm good as long okay. as I'm uh, talking about three nine eighty one. I'm good. Hell yeah. So well here we are, man. <laughs> when before you joined, I said that I was gonna drop in the clip from the first time we spoke where you and I kind of shared in our incredulity that it had not been released yet. We were both like, What why has this show never been released? It's fucking awesome. And yeah. then you you said, um, well, if you're if you guys are ever gonna talk about that show, you should talk about 31081 as well, because that's also a really good show. And I hadn't heard that. Well, the dead uh listened. Um it's Howard's Picks, Volumes 1 and 2, <laughs> um, 3981 and 31081. So 3-9 was your first dead show. And then were you, you were at 310 as well? Uh, no, I just 3981. I got into um, I got into Europe 72 about six weeks before the show. 
And I lived about 45 minutes from the garden. So I said, hey, why not go see these guys? I went down with two two high school kids who uh, weren't deadheads. They fell asleep during the show. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a kind of experience. They fully grasped the greatness that night. But uh, I remember walking in on Feel Like a Stranger and just like it sounded like I was walking into an episode of Y Five O. It had like that ex- exotic vibe. I didn't even know the song was on Go to Heaven, which I didn't have in my collection yet. And the 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 one thing that put it for me o- over the top that night was they played my favorite song, Ramble on Rose Fourth. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great version in the Just Like New York City. So, uh, you know, the Dead have that way of connecting, you know, playing the song you want. And right, right away you feel like somehow they know you're in the audience and that you got that kind of vibe going. Just like New York City Just like Jericho Here's the host And all the walls And get out when they blow Did you say Amazing. So you grew up on Long Island, right? So you, do you uh, say a no? suburb? It's uh, Nanuet. Oh, suburb okay. City, yeah. Right on. So, uh, yeah, not a far trip at all. You got to just get on the train and get into yeah. the garden. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a cool experience. But um, my next, by the time my next show was, I had bootleg tapes and everything, so I was a little more advanced. Yeah, you you said when we first talked to you, you didn't have like the language down for that first show. And yeah. so it was your next show that you went in armed and dangerous, ready to yeah. <laughs> know, know, know everything. Okay. You know, when um, when I first heard the tape of 3981, uh, the garden show, it was about uh, about a month after the show. And I was starting to collect bootlegs. My friends played it for me. And I heard that Althea. I was like, oh, my God, I was actually there for that. Like, you know, <laughs> at that point, when I heard it a month later, I actually was much more advanced than listening to the music. There are so many songs in this show where I listen to it and I'm like, this is one of the great X. Like they just played so well. It's shocking that your friends fell asleep during this show of all shows because there is so much energy. You can feel it when you're just like even listening to it through the tape. Yeah, um, well, they definitely weren't deadheads. I was the most, <laughs> I, I kind of dragged them along to come with me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been there for concerts before too. Like I know you don't know this band, but it's going to be a good time. Just come with yeah. Um, my mom actually fell asleep during space in Hartford this summer. Um, but dead and coast space is a very different thing than the dead in 81 at MSG. The tempo yeah. are all different. Um, the sound is different. So I think I can cut her maybe a bit more slack on that yeah. one. And I, I got to admit to one time falling asleep at dead and coast, you know, uh, dead and, dead and coast show. Yeah. So. Those tempos will get you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So. I have so many, I just, I mean, I really just want to know everything about the experience of going to three, nine, but because you said that your next show, you had some more tapes. So when was the second show after three, nine, 81? It was uh Nassau Coliseum 81. We're, we're, we're really looking forward to that show because it was uh, the anniversary of Cornell too. It was four years after Cornell, the great mm-hmm. uh, Cornell show. 
And um, and that, that was a pretty good show. But the great show that tour of that Nassau Coliseum run happened to be uh, May 6th, where they did that He's Gone and the Caution Spanish Jam. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, but the, the five the five eight was good. But man, that that my, my first show. Looking back on it, like just falling in love with the tape. Um, right off the right off the bat, you the feel like a stranger in Althea. I'd say those are like the two two of the best versions ever of those songs. You know, it's um the top top three versions both. I think yeah. it's the best feels like a stranger. I I don't think they ever played it better than that night. Honestly, it's yeah. so goddamn good. Hey, hey, just to throw one out there, so for future reference for you, check out November tenth, nineteen eighty five, Brendan Burn. They um they ended the set with that, and uh, it was a smoking show. And just the fact that they ended the set with it brought it, they brought the house down with that one. Yeah, I'll check that out. You know, they haven't really done many live releases that have uh, "Stranger" on them. It's yeah. like, I mean, they're obviously like between Dick's picks and Dave's picks, there aren't a ton of '80s releases, and so it makes sense that there wouldn't be that many. It feels like a stranger, but this is such a this is a great song and a great way to open the show too. So I, I wish they did more. Yeah. I was, I was going to say with, with the jam, it's a very, very interesting jam when they hit it. I mean, it could be as exciting as any song the dead play. Uh, like when, when they hit it, it was, it was off the, off the hook, but some nights it was, you know, they kind of like, you know, they, 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 they tried, but they really didn't hit it. It's a tough song. It's actually yeah. building momentum and hit that amazing jam. So, um, yeah, they, they definitely uh, rocked it out on the, the garden. Like, every layer of it was perfect, you know, connected perfectly. Another cool thing about that that garden show is just the, the sound of Garcia's guitar. Very unlike any other show. I don't know, I don't know the, the uh, technical aspects of what he did to his guitar that night, how it was tuned and all that. But it's quite noticeable. that There's a different, like, piercing, razor-sharp sound to his guitar that night. Yeah, even compared to the next night, it's it's noticeable. On a bunch of songs too. I mean, th- really. I mean, just throughout the show. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be curious to talk to someone who is more aware of, I guess, the tuning intricacies and you know sound effects and stuff to hear what they would say about why. But yeah, it sounds great. So wait, yeah, how yeah. how old were you for this first show? If you if you don't want to age yourself, oh, no, no, no. that's fine. Happy, <laughs> happy to let you know. I think I was seventeen, almost eighteen. Okay, was, cool. Closing in on eighteen. Another another interesting aspect of the show is like the, in history where it ended up. Um, you know, if you look back, December of eighty, John Lennon's murdered in New York. Um, this was, I think, a few weeks maybe after Re- Reagan was assassinated. So it, it was like a really strange part of history uh, where the Garden Show ended up. And um, I just think this was a time where people kind of flocked to the dead. Uh, the seventies was over, like kind of like the dream was done, and the the dead were like that kind of oasis for people who were still looking for that music. You know, even though the who had the situation in Cincinnati with the people getting killed coming in. So rock and roll was really going through a tough, tough period. And the dead was something that people could latch on to that, like kind of held the, the hope and promise of that period. Yeah. That's really wow. interesting. I was just talking to one of my um, uncles this summer about, he was saying that he thinks that when Lennon was assassinated was when the seventies officially ended. He was like, it might have been over for a year, but I think that that was the moment where it was undeniable that the vibe that was there when I was a teenager, when he when he was a teenager in the 70s, that was over once Lennon died. It was like, okay, well, we can't ignore it anymore. Um, so it's interesting that you, that you said that too. Yeah, it, it goes it, like it permeates the albums that came out. The albums weren't as great anymore. 
cutting edge, but especially like going to concerts, believing in something. That's where people just kind of flocked to the dead. It was, it was something to to grab onto that was authentic, that held on to, to that feeling from the 60s and 70s and style and sound and made everything, you know? Yeah. In rock and roll specifically too, because you had some some real authenticity in like the punk scene, but in rock and roll, we were about to enter this like very false era with hair hair bands and shit like that, where it's just like the music might sound great, but it doesn't feel real as real. There's not the warts and all aspect. There's not like these people out there just kind of bearing their souls for the audience in the same way. Yeah, even like. Rolling Stones albums, they were really good, but not as good as Some Girls and the, the earlier ones, the uh, Sticky Fingers and all that. It seemed like every group had a little bit of a drop off. The Ooh, you know, they, they were still still putting out good stuff, but not not what it was before. Yeah, yeah. the the Who with like you compare Tommy and Quadrophenia and Who's Next in the early seventies to in the early eighties, it's like okay, well, Eminence Front is a cool song, but the rest of that album is like pretty forgettable. Yeah, and, yeah, masterpieces versus good music. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. So you go, you make the pilgrimage, you get, you get into the garden, see the show. You said that you, you know, you didn't have all the vocab, but how many songs do you, do you remember like how many you recognized off the bat? Obviously Ramble on Rose. Yeah, oh, definitely. And then um, Minglewood Blues. And um, I think they, they had just come out with Reckoning. So Deep Bell might, might, I might not have got, I knew mm. i so the second set, I knew Cat Riders, Samson. I knew all the songs, but it, it was strange for me in my first show because everything that night they put the extra effort into, yeah. and everything long. You know, even going estimated until the Johns, the passages were so long. Um, you know, and I was we didn't even have good weed that night. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm sitting up there, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. You know, the gardens you know, going nuts, but I'm, I don't have great seats either. So I, so I got to admit that I was identifying songs and, you know, but I couldn't really grasp the magnitude of that night. But the, uh, I mean, the second set, I mean, just has some killer stuff. The Cat Rider might be the best one from that decade. exceptionally long the, the china cat it's it's like he doesn't go for the jugular right away a lot of jamming and the rider was incredible you know where they really hit the rider in stride so um it, it's when i listen back to that i'm like maybe the best uh best show of 1981 i think it is i think it's one of the best shows of the decade to be honest yeah well, I, I definitely there's, there's there's so much to it i mean it's a great cat rider samson Ship of Fools, Estimated Uncle John's. It's a beautiful pre-drums. So, yeah. yeah. Another another cool thing about that was seeing Deep Bellum Electric. I forget the exact numbers, but I think they only played it electric a certain amount of times. Six or seven times, I happened to catch three of them. Um, wow. During, wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was going to parlay that into the fact with the, they played Estimated Uncle John's. So I didn't see my first eyes for 22 shows, first eyes of the world. You told I us that last time. Yeah, yeah. They played yeah. any other song besides yeah. Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle John's. 
So, I, yeah, I co- I co-estimated everything but eyes for a while. So lucky in deep bellum, not lucky in eyes. <laughs> Fair. So you also, I just looked it up. You hit the nail on the head exactly six times that they played electric. So, yeah. and this was the first. They had never played electric before this night. So you saw the debut. I mean, unprecedented wow. at that point. Um, Dave, do you have what? What questions do you have? I kind of want to know, like, what I want to hear about the atmosphere of the garden, and also like the pre-show atmosphere. Like, you said you walked in on feels like a stranger. Like you showed up right on time. We uh, we, we took a bus in from Port Authority, walked to Madison Square Garden. So th- this was part of like I missed the whole pageantry. The the garden usually you, you would have to create your own scene, go to a local bar. A, a lot of the garden shows I went to, we we go to. Uh, these bars on 31st and 8th, I think it was called Smith's. And they were all, uh, the, the Blarney Rocks down there. So it, it wasn't as much as seen as other places, but there was deadheads filled every bar and the bartenders were playing dead music. For my first show, that, you know, I had none of that. So I had I had the best show to work off of, but I didn't have the pageantry of uh, what it more normally might be. But yeah, the, the power of the garden is incredible. Like uh, I remember October 12th, 1983, it was the night after St. Stephen, they played in the garden and they started the second set with help on the way. I just went behind the band and I looked out and I saw what they were looking at. It was just like, oh, eight, that's neat. Bouncing to like the best help slip Frank you'll ever hear. And you could just see how the band would be so excited playing in that atmosphere. It was, um, it was, that was definitely incredible. That it was the, those years and the, all the shows that came out on that recent Dave's picks um, just brilliant. It's a Dave's Picks. Am I correct? It's a or, just different box set. Yeah, it's like a standalone. It's called In and Out of the Garden. This is kind of a good parlay into this amazing project that you're undertaking right now and why you got caught in DC traffic. You're retracing your own steps from the Fall 83 tour that included that night that you just mentioned at the Garden. So beginning in Harrisburg and then Richmond, or was that just... Yeah, it's uh, beginning of Richmond. The, the Harrisburg was just because I had been there before. I went to, yeah, on my way to Richmond, I said, hey, why not stop off at Harrisburg? I hadn't been there since I seen them uh, there like 38 years earlier. But the first show of the full A3 tour is Richmond. And I, I'm currently in Richmond. I made it. I didn't think I would. <laughs> I made it traffic jam coming over here. I'm still traumatized. But uh, yeah. 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 So that, that, would, that full A3 tour was so great. That I wanted to, the best way to kind of recapture it. I'm going to every venue. I'm going to either get in the venue and listen to the show in the venue or parking lot, whatever I got to do, put on headphones, walk around the place. <laughs> like, Richmond venue is actually going to be knocked down. It's on its last legs. It's not even open anymore. Wow. So, yeah. I'll see. I'll see what happens when I get there. It's, I think it's fenced, it's fenced off or something. So um, I might go in the parking lot there and you know, just take out a Bose speaker and listen to it or do it by headphones. But I, I think that the thing of doing doing the tour, as well as you know, getting into the into the uh, mood, mood with the music, is actually doing the tour. There's, some, there's something about doing a road trip, and I, I kind of miss that. You know, ha- having that passion where you got to go from, you got to drive to Richmond, you got to drive to Greensboro. It's it means that much to you that you're 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 willing to do it. I just wanted to retrace what that felt like too, and putting up with the crazy traffic jams like I had to today. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stuff you see along the way is, is priceless. But um, back back in the day, we were so focused on the dead and getting to the parking lot scene and all that. I didn't have enough time to take in, you know, the, the city and the the other things. So hopefully on this trip, I'll see some things that I didn't see 39 years ago. 
Yeah, I'm sure you will. That's such a cool pursuit. And that's a great perspective to bring to it of like, and, you know, I'm going to do this and hear the music and be, you know, retrace my step, you know, recapture that feeling of being on the road, but also see these cities, get to see all those, you know, cobblestone streets in Richmond that you probably didn't even notice the first time you were there. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it also gives me time to sort of reflect back on all the touring things and how, how, you know, life has changed how but how how the music still i mean to me it's the same as it was maybe even it's more important than it was when i was seeing it which is which is almost hard to believe that i'm sitting here that it means that much to me 39 years uh that i'm going to do it and, and i think the cool thing about the project is people go to museums what happens in a museum nothing you're not listening to anything you're not experiencing anything you're looking at a freaking thing on a wall this is more more real and I, th- I think it's a very cool way of doing it it's like people who like the uh, baseball stadium going and going to see every baseball stadium. Um, I've hopefully I start something here where more people do this, this kind of thing, you know, go to see uh, venues on the anniversary day where they saw shows and it's, it's a great way to really kind of relive the whole thing. Yeah. So was the first time you did that with Cornell this past May or have you, had you done uh, it before? It May, but I also did it a few years back. I was writing uh, my grateful dead 77 book. Terrapin nation. That, that's that's really where the whole the whole thing started. So I said, "Hey, let me go see this place, Barn Hall," and I went up there. I mean, I, I got up there. And I, I felt like Richard Dreyfus in Third Encounters. You know? <laughs> it was like I was drawn. I didn't even have to ask anybody where Barn Hall was. I just just got out of the car and started walking towards it. Like, <laughs> and um, hey, the coolest thing about Barn Hall is you can walk right into the place. The doors are unlocked. I, yeah, I picked up a basketball and playing basketball in Barn Hall, <laughs> and and I, and I both speaker and listen to the entire show in there. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm not, I won't be able to do that at Madison Square Garden this year, but uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that, that was one of the cool things about the barn wall, man. So it's just, you know, you walk in there like you own the place. It's Man, I hope that they'll let you do that at the Greensboro Coliseum. I don't I don't know if you've been there, Dave, but we we he and I both went to school so close by. It's a, I mean, it, it, you would know better than we would, Howard, because you've seen a show there, but it's a, I mean, it's an interesting little place. It's it's not in like downtown Greensboro, but it is a big ass venue. Um, yeah. It would be cool to get in that, there. I think what might be the biggest is, is the biggest indoor coliseum or arena. I think I think it might be. It's either the first or second. Yeah, I mean, big enough that that's where the Carolina Hurricanes played when they when North Carolina stole that franchise from my beloved home state of Connecticut. But wow. that that's a story <laughs> from a different day. <laughs> hey, um, hey, one cool one of the cool sports related thing from Greensboro when I was there in '83. Um, NC State had just had the miracle run to the uh, to the championship that year. Now I'm a Maryland fan because I was born in Maryland. I didn't live there long, so I didn't, it didn't even mean anything to me back then. I I knew it was an incredible run by NC State, but uh, now I'm like a huge Jim Valvano fan, and I've looked at the at, at what they did. So it's kind of cool for me to go back to Greensboro and the Grateful Dead, as they often do. They um they didn't mention it. They didn't say it as they were playing, but they opened up with shakedown Samson in Greensboro and they replaced Samson second. So Samson was obviously Samson was obviously Weir's gesture at NC state for uh, pulling off the miracle uh, championship run. God, that's so cool. That is a very subtle thing, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's... Like when Kansas city won the world series, we're uh, dedicated Kansas city, uh, obviously to the champions and, one time the Dodgers won or lost, and they did a baby blue for them. You get these voice <laughs> references every uh, every now and then at shows. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, um, 
So you hit something uh, earlier about like the road trip kind of sweetening the experience. And I've been trying to kind of grapple with this. And I think that you might maybe be able to help me understand it a little bit more. This past summer, I saw three Dead & Co shows. And it's different, obviously, than like, you know, you in 83 or the 85 trip that you told us about the last time we talked, you know, being on the road, hitting all those shows, having to sell everything you owned just to get back home. <laughs> um, but when I traveled to Cincinnati to see a show at a venue that you hit in that 85 trip, Riverbend, I Great. felt... Yeah. Awesome venue. So cool. Um, and just like it poured that night and then it stopped right when the show was starting and it made for this gorgeous sunset right over the venue. But that show traveling there and then traveling to city field from North Carolina to see the last show of the tour at city, um, compared to the show that I saw in Hartford when I was in Connecticut with my family, we just drove the hour up, um, to see it. I feel like those two shows in New York and Ohio, I like cherish more in my heart. I think back on them so fondly because of the, you know, the sacrifices and the hassle that it took to get there. And I, I had not thought about that in my mind. I kept thinking like, oh, well, you know, Cincinnati, it's the Midwest. People might be a little bit more friendly than they are in, in Hartford. And then New York, obviously a super heady city where the energy there is just different. But now that I think about it, I think that it might be related to that experience of I'm getting out on the road and I'm traveling somewhere. I'm doing something to see this. Um, I'm curious if how you feel about that. Yeah, it's it's the committing to something you love that just adds a new, another dimension to it, another sense. Like when I, when I took that trip to Cornell on uh, on the on the anniversary, I was like, this is the missing piece. You know, it's like I got to do a road trip and recreate it, create a dead tour. Because there's just something about going to these different cities. Just you know, you're putting in the effort. You know, the, the Grateful Dead are out there doing their thing, but you're putting it. You're doing your your part, putting it, putting in the effort, and it's it's, it's so much more rewarding. And the, the experiences you come away with are are incredible. So that, for for me, the cool thing about the upcoming tour is it's going to be double rewarding because I'm going to reflect back on what I did in '83, and there's going to be these new new experiences. So I'm going to have like a parallel uh, transcending kind of road trip going on where I'm re reflecting, plus I'm creating the new experiences. And I, and I have the shows, I have the music. So it's, so that part's kind of cool. So yeah, it's an, it's an interesting project. Hopefully it turns into a twilight zone thing where you never see me again. And I kind of escape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of hoping. For you go just in a loop back to 83, just reliving those shows over and over. Yeah. I mean, that would be great for you, but I really want to read this book, man. So, <laughs> yeah, so no, don't let that happen, please. Okay. Yeah. I just finished uh, listening to all of the shows from the East Coast run in 72 on their dates where they were released. I enjoyed doing it so much for Europe 72 that I, I did it again for this um, tour. And there's some great ones. But you telling me about what you just, what you're going to do is going to make me listen to all the 83 shows. And I'm, I'm really excited to get into it. And I'm excited to maybe next year or whenever the book comes out. Uh, relive it again uh, through your writing. So you, you've inspired something in me too. That's 72 tour, man. The, the September 72. Uh, you can't get better shows than that. <laughs> My it's, God. Uh, Philly Spectrum, Stanley Theater, Waterbury. It's just God. like every, just, and they, and they, they played all, yeah, every song's great. They, they played everything full tilt. It was, uh, yeah. that was an, that's an incredible run. I listened to it. I got a chance to listen to a couple of them during that, uh, but yeah, my, I have a friend who like cherishes that 72 stuff so much, you know, it's, uh, but 
the 83 stuff, yeah, it's unique in its own way. The, one of the cool things about the, the 83 run, which I'm doing, um, is there's, there's three, a three, a three night run or starting with the garden where they do the St. Stephen, which was pretty incredible. But then the next night they played what I consider to be the hell's best help slip Franks at the garden. The following night, they played what might be the best Scarlet Fire in Hartford from Dick's Pick 6 on 10-14-83. And then a couple of nights later in Lake Placid, they played one of the best sugarees you'll ever hear to open the show. So it's a, there was something, they, they had something, they were locked into something in, in that 83 tour. They were so, they were incredibly hot. And I think Phil, I, I have to look this up for my, my own uh, verification for, for the book I'm writing, but I think Phil even gave a nod to how, how good the band was playing during that run in uh, 1983 and the fall of 83. There was a note in the latest deadcast that when they talked about the garden shows from 81, 82, and 83, where they said that in 83, that was when Phil got his own mic. And so he could do more supporting vocals on things. And yeah. they were saying that they thought that that added to just like the sense of fun that the band was having on stage, having Phil back in the mix and performing. And actually, it might have been at the MSG show that he and Bobby shared a mic uh, for a song. Um, and we're singing together and everyone who they interviewed who was there was like, that was like a super special moment to see them singing together into the same microphone. Uh, it's pretty cool. Whatever, whatever they were doing, I didn't see it. I was like, so I was probably <laughs> diagonal from Jerry, just, you know, playing air guitar, not even yet. So, so uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't happen to see that, but yeah, he did. Um, and then the next year Phil started singing his own songs again. And, you know, he did the, uh, just like Tom Thumbs blues and, yeah, so I guess that, that was the beginning of him getting back into doing a little singing. Yeah. Um, Dave, do you have more questions? I want to let Howard go pretty soon because he's, I mean, it's been a brutal day of travel for the man. <laughs> I have two more questions, um, one of which I don't know if you're allowed to answer, and the other oh. um, I think <laughs> we need from you before we let you go. The one that I don't know, if because maybe you don't even know, are you allowed to tell us the working title of your upcoming book project? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kicking around so many things. I haven't put it on paper yet, but The Grateful Pilgrimage. Is a, yes. a, Ooh, yeah. I like that. And then, then I'll, of course, with my books, I'll have a subtitle to go along with it. It's more than, you know, it's more than like music is to me is bigger than religion. I, I think most people feel that way, whether they say it or not. So doing something like this does feel like a pilgrimage. And even what even when I'm not at one of the particular shows, I got I could go visit these places like uh, City Island, Lehigh University. I was at yesterday and um, I'm also going to stop by Glens Falls, see all these venues that I, I saw that dead at, listen to a couple songs while I'm there. It, it, there's something to it. It's great. It, it, it enhances the experience above just listening to it. That's excellent. Uh, that's I don't know about you, Alex. That's got a thumbs up for me. For the title? On the working title. Absolutely. That's an awesome title. Yeah. Absolutely. No doubt. The Grateful Acts. Yeah, obviously uh aspect of it. And it's definitely a pilgrimage. Uh, you know, I can't I can't think of any other word that fits it. Yeah. It's perfect. Last question for you. We play a game here uh, where after kind of analyzing and diving deep into a show. We like to take one song away from it. Um, not necessarily the best song of the night, but the song that you feel like you need to take away from the show. Um, so since this is the inaugural Howard's Picks, 
give us Howard's pick from the show. What one song are you carrying away um, from this excellent night at MSG? Yeah, I, I think I think it has to be the China Cat, and obviously it goes into Rider. So you get but, both. Yeah, yeah, you yeah you get both. <laughs> hey, this, uh, the, the cat is it's incredible. There's also like Brent's sound that night. Once again, you would need a the technical expert to tell me what exactly he did with his organ that night but it was there was like such a different sound you could hear it right away on the cat and um well, there's an audience of that uh garden show and when jerry hits that first lead this one girl lets out an orgasmic scream <laughs> yeah you know, sometimes it's the soundboards and recordings but sometimes you get those audience recordings they just mean so much um so the, the audiences and the soundboards that were out there were already pretty good even though i love the new the new mastering of it and then you get into the China Cat, and it's just layer after layer of, of the band just taking their time, not rushing to the crescendo, kind of doing like a mini crescendo and piling up and piling up and going and going. And pretty soon it's longer than a 74 cat, and everyone knows the 74 or 73 cats are the best. But um, this this one is just it's so incredible. It just, you know, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's uh, so different than any other cat rider they played from the decade. Yeah. As you said before, a long one too, more than nine minutes for this China Cat alone, which is yeah. just and that, great. And that's because whoever's dividing the tracks gives credit to Ryder too soon. It's probably more <laughs> like 11 minutes. It's, it's always like interesting where you want to divide that. Some people will give more time to the China Cat. Some people give more time to the Ryder. And um, maybe I'm, I'm partial to giving the time to the China Cat. To me, it's not Ryder until they start singing that first line. <laughs> that's fair. There's actually some weird cutting up that they do throughout these shows because the next night, where they they call space like three minutes long i would argue the entire space is just like a very slow lead into the wheel it's beautiful and i i I mean i don't know it's in the eye of the beholder like so much of this music which is a part of the beauty of it um i do want to note one more thing and then uh then we'll let you go um i got one more after after you say i got one more thing for you on the three nine show dad okay cool so actually two more things then first first and foremost Everyone, if you haven't heard our first episode with Howard, go listen to it. But more importantly, go read his books. Go buy his yes. books. Um, I have read many. I think most of them, most of the 10 at this point. Uh, I've read one of his pieces of fiction, COVID Blues, which was released in April and is a great read. So like, please go read that one too, because what it takes to write a novel, I can't even imagine. And so the fact that that you've done that, Howard. I said this last time, but it's amazing to me. Please go read that book. Um, it's wonderful. And um, it's if you're a deadhead, you'll really like it. It's about, um, well, I mean, you could explain it better than I, Howard, but as someone who read it, I will say it's about a band manager. Uh, he is managing a Grateful Dead cover band. The lead you know, force in that band says, I want to do something different. They go out on a, an amazing journey uh, to use a, the other uh, who title. Yeah, um, during COVID. During, during COVID, hence the COVID blues, right? Um, and there is heartbreak and love and loss and lots of good stuff in that book. So go read that, um, first of all. Second of all, because you talked about Ramble on Rose, uh, Dave and I went to, as I said, the City Field shows this summer, and we brought my sister along who had never really been exposed to the Dead's music. But she was like, if this is something that's important to you, I'm, I'm in. And when they played Ramble on Rose, Dave, you'll probably remember this. She was like, oh, I'm all in on this song. <laughs> And it was the um, the just like New York City line where she was like, this is awesome. And so first, I wanted to say that. But second, what you were saying about audience tapes, 
go listen to the audience tape of three nine and listen to the audience's moment of recognition when that line hits in Ramble on Rose, just like New York City, because man, those it's moments. Like, it's like uh, the nine eighteen eighty seven Morning Dew, which is heralded. If you listen to a soundboard, you get it, but you don't really get it. You listen to an audience of that, man. It's just that that was the loudest, I think, and most emotional Madison Square Garden I've ever seen it for anything. And um, just when, when you when you hear it, like you could viscerally feel it when you listen to the audience. Yeah. So sometimes the audience tapes tell tell the real story. Yeah. Amazing. So, I mean, I just would, again, say everyone, although these these new masterings are great and there are some other ones like this a show that we talked we touched about on a little bit last time one of those 87 hartford shows um when jerry had just gotten back the moment in um i know you rider when he hits i wish i was a headline on a northbound train you can hear it in the you know dave's picks release it sounds good but you hear the audience version the first time jerry's really like giving it the gusto with his voice after the coma and you guys in the audience, you just went nuts. And so like that stuff, it just means so much. And it it just hits you differently. Yeah. The seven tour was so emotional. And when, when like Jerry, Jerry played well, but sometimes he really nailed it. And the crowd was all over it. You know, the second he, na- he nailed something like, like old days, we were like, the man is back. You know, it was like, he's going to play forever. You know, there was like such a great, great feeling when he re- really na- nailed it in 87. So are you going to be listening to a mix of audiences and soundboards throughout your pilgrimage this year? Um, whatever, whatever the best version uh, available is like, it's, it's, isn't re-listen an amazing tool. It's just yes. the, yes, we'll have, we'll have an option for soundboard. And um, usually I look for the name Charlie Miller because I'm, you know, whether it's an audience or soundboard, you know, it's mixed properly when, when you see that name. So I'll usually go to the Charlie, Charlie Miller version on that. And hey, one one other thing about three nine eighty one, another cool little sidebar, um, with the bird song, they had played bird song at the previous show at uh, Cole Fieldhouse, three seven eighty one. It was an eighteen minute bird song, you know. And so, so Jerry played the longest bird song ever, and apparently he forgot he played it, and he played it again the next night in Madison Square Garden. Maybe it was just dangling in his head after the eighteen minute version, but it, it's rare to get uh, two bird songs uh, two nights in a row, and uh, both of them are pretty amazing. Yeah, this one is 11 minutes of just absolutely incendiary playing. There's a moment in like the nine or 10 minute mark or range where it sounds like he's breathing fire through his guitar. It is amazing. Yeah. Hey, those those 81 shows, man, just like he, they had a great new, uh, a lot of stuff to work with. The Reckoning songs, which the Jack Arrow, um, Deep Ellum, Direwolf, all these songs they brought electric. Then you have to go to heaven stuff, which, you know, the Alabama getaways are hot. And Althea was extremely hot in 81. And even like the, the Rooster, CC Ryder, people got, I think even Jerry got bored of them as time went on. They weren't that uh, passionate. But like in 1981, these little red roosters are insane. Garcia is just like off the hook is playing. So, yeah, 81 is like a very underrated period. I'm glad to see more stuff come out from there. Agreed. Yeah. Well, um, Howard, we will let you go. Thank you for joining us today. You guys do a great job, man. I, I uh, you guys sound very professional. It's a very cool podcast. You, uh, great po- podcast you do. So, well, hey, whenever I whenever I get it, I'm gonna put it out there. And you know, not just because it's me, but I say good things about you guys as well, man. I, very oh, good. Thank you. Like thank it. you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, um, I hope that uh, maybe our paths cross uh, at least next summer for Dead & Co. But in the meantime, yeah. um, good luck with everything. Good luck to your Nets, to our shared Yankees <laughs> in the postseason. 
have to Got burn my coming up. <laughs> it says Durant. I don't have to burn my Durant jersey. I still <laughs> <laughs> it looked a little bit dicey over the summer, but yeah, you got yeah. it. Now. Uh, all right, man. Well, yeah, all uh, right. Yeah, good catching up with you. Uh, we'll talk to you later on. Be well. Peace. Yeah. Peace. Dave, do you, I know that you've got a, you know, early morning and stuff. You want to just sign off or do you want to do a quick little closing piece? We can do a quick little closing piece. That's fine. All right. Also, you- I mean, I don't know about you, man. I took, and I'm not saying that we do this like right this second, but I took like, full notes on the show and would love to dive in like a little deeper. I don't know if you want to do like a, you know, like a 55 hour long ep with Howard and then like a 55 hour long ep of our, just our analysis or you just want to. Yes. Let's put, let's put this out uh, as a Howard standalone interview on Tuesday. Yeah. While you're traveling this weekend, listen to three ten eighty one. And let's okay. do a shared episode where we talk about the highlights because okay. 310 is an interesting show. There's some some cool and weird shit going on. And um, I'll be curious what you think about it. I don't think it's as good as 39, but there are some moments that are really, really, really good. And it is a really good show. And since they released both, why not? Yeah, why not? Okay. Um, what well, I mean, to tease it, I mean, what Howard kept saying about like, you know, the best ever, the best of the 80s. He's like, just according to heady version ranks, he's like, he's close. Like, it's always like he's, there's one more in the way that maybe he hasn't listened to or that, you know, he disagrees with the masses rating. Yeah. But like, it's the second highest rated China Cat of the 80s. And if if you're on the front page of songs like China Cat, Uncle John's Band, playing in the band. It's all 70s. The songs that they played 9,000 times. Mm Mm-hmm you're doing something right. Right. You Especially know? because like I said, like I just mentioned, like pretty much all of the top versions of those songs are from the seventies. It's all 77, 78 for yeah. those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, what a series of shows. It's really cool that they released that. I, I like that they are branching out and doing different years with this box set. I think it's really cool. So yeah. Uh, then as you just heard, we will be back for a uh, part two involving you know, where we get, you know, a standard episode uh, where we'll just do a kind of a combined show about 81 and 82. We're not going to get into the background. You know, Howard just told us about his experience. The dead cast has all the background you could ever want to hear about these three shows or these three runs at Madison Square Garden. So go check them out for that. But thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we're glad to have you here. And um, barring anything else from you, Dave. It's just, it's good to be back, man. It's good to be back. And on that note, we will bid you Good night, night,